You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello, Hello world. Hello, internet. Hello, all the countries in the world. We are an equal opportunities podcast. We will broadcast to everybody around the world. How generous of you. Do you have control over that? Yeah. I <laughs> I don't think you do. Somebody tried to hack my website from, um, where were they from? I don't remember. Bulgaria, I believe. So they're not welcome. They can't listen. Oh, dear. Because uh, you're blocked. <laughs> that was <laughs> not the before the after the show discussion. The before the after the discussion. After the Skoda Kitchen. Easy for you to say. <laughs> was me watching The Sims. I turn on now every week when we're doing the podcast. Open up our little family. We don't have children, but I've created a Sims child for us. She's in her... Um, dinosaur slippers. Dinosaur slippers. Unmatching socks. She's got some tights on and big flowers on them. Her clothes don't match. And now you and her are having a nice conversation about something, and I'm over on the computer. Which yeah. seems perfectly... Playing a Sims. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, it's a nice view of how the family life would be. The modern family. It's just really cute. Of course, she had to have dark hair, of course, the Sims decided. Maxis, EA, gave her your genetic makeup. Well, <laughs> I am of crap. the best. <laughs> <laughs> Powerful digital DNA that you have. <laughs> All right, then. So that was the before the after the show discussion. The, uh... Date is Saturday, February the 18th. This is after the show number 467. And in the run-up to the Oscars, which actually take place next weekend, we are reviewing another Oscar-nominated movie, Manchester by the Sea. It's a 2016 movie. It's released on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, the 21st of February. So you can't get it just yet, but you can if you run out on Tuesday to watch it just before the Oscars. It's rated R... It's from our friends at Lionsgate. And Sid Talk will give you the short synopsis of Manchester by the Sea. Hmm. I think this one's a tough one. Overall, it's about... And I'm going to put this out there, mate. I don't want to taint anybody, but it's about men coping with grief, loss, moving on. Because it really is the point of view you get. So it's about particularly two men, a young man and the main man that we're following... Ben's brother. <laughs> so that's it, I think. A man coping with loss Grief. that seems in in uncopable with, mm. and a young man coping with loss that, while tragic, and then it's the uncle and nephew situation, and I think, to me, that's what it's all about. So, um, as with that, all that, our... I wouldn't put that on the box. That's not much of no, a enough. it's not. <laughs> it's not as succinct as what's on the box. <laughs> You didn't say succinct synopsis. I said short. Say that ten times. Succinct synopsis. It's easy for you to say. All right, so um, Manchester by the Sea, Oscar nominated, like last week's movie and next week's movie. Um, what have we seen now, did I say? Three of the, of the best pictures. This is my, so. You're right. So let me say before we start, uh, there will be spoilers for Manchester by the Sea. Go and watch it first. And uh, come back and then listen to us talk about it. Or if you don't care about it being spoiled, just listen anyway. <laughs> or if you're never going to watch it, listen. I mean, and if you're know. a freak and you don't believe in spoilers, and if yeah, you, go ahead and listen to it. And if you listen and you uh, 
don't care and then you go oh that sounded good you might end up watching it so that's our um preamble so manchester by the sea i did see the trailer for this a few months ago you did as well but i think you just forgot it completely i did you didn't know anything about it so um these are my type of movies i've always said that i love drama uh they're my favorite type of movies to be honest drama movies about human realistic can be about anything this one's happens to be about death and loss and it might not sound very uplifting but it actually is full of <laughs> it really comedy is it's well. got that it's got that right balance of and I'll when we get to the point I'll tell you the, the you know story of my life you know the brief little story where it really does mix together and movies that avoid the comedy when you're talking about something tragic those are the ones where you feel like you got just like even last week's arrival well i liked it except for the visuals it was overridingly 99.9 to infinity percent kind of a uh, like not cheerful not funny not comedy it was very it took itself serious very seriously yeah. and that while i didn't mind that it does it tips that scale just enough where you feel like there's never letting up and then at the end of the movie it almost kind of you know, ooh, but if you have that nice da -da -da -da, up and down. What I liked about this film, Manchester by the Sea, is it doesn't feel like a, a film with actors in it. It's very natural and it feels like real situations. Um, I feel it's almost like you're watching a documentary at times of like just some events unfolding and you're like, oh crap, that's really realistic. Case in point. Case in point. No, Casey, Casey Affleck. When he um, goes to the hospital at the beginning, um, he's, he's called to the hospital. And at this point, it, the way this movie unfolds, I really, really liked. It's non-linear in a way, like last week's movie, but not to a point where it's confusing. But you don't find out some of the very key plot points until further on in the movie. And it changes your perspective on characters, like, immediately. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize it. Like, well, you don't realize. They've, I'm not going to spoil that, but they've been through some horrible times. Like, you're focusing on Casey Affleck's character coming to the hospital to be told that his brother is dead. And that's what you're concentrating on. The grief of him trying to deal with his brother being dead and dealing with the circumstance seeing the body, and then making the arrangements for the funeral, all that sort of stuff. And yours kind of, you, you get enveloped in that, and then it does this going back in time thing about... You get enveloped in, like, why is he acting that yeah, way? Yeah, he's very... We know now that he's got some anger issues. Closed, like, it seems. Yeah, so we don't know exactly why. But, I mean, you could just attribute that to, oh, he's just that type of guy. He doesn't show his emotions very well, which a lot of guys don't, so... That's why I say it's about men yeah. coping. It's written by a man. And I'm not saying it's how every man copes or anything, but it's a very, very specific, the language between them, the looks, between the, the the feeling of everything, and his, he fits in a type yeah. of person, so, for sure. So at the beginning, when he's coming to cope with that, and he seems a bit, like, out off, you think, well, it's grief, right? It affects people different ways. That's the way he's doing it. Or he didn't like his brother, or you don't know for oh, there's sure. just some... But then something unrelated to his brother is has happened in the past, that when it is revealed, 
it makes you feel a totally different way. You're like, I understand everything about this character now. Like, and and, and also all the peripheral people surrounding him who have all been involved in what happened. We're not gonna say. No, I don't okay. think so. Because that fair. that thing that happens is when it when you find when you see it happening, it's it's truly shocking. I well, think. Let's put it this way: you told me ahead of time that I was gonna cry. Yes, and I did, and I didn't know why. I just knew it was a sad movie. Right? <laughs> you can just tell from the trailer. All the trailer, all the trailer shows you actually that what I'm alluding to that I'm not going to say. It doesn't mention any of that. All the trailer shows you is Casey Affleck going to Manchester by the sea in his car. He gets there. It shows you him on the boat fishing with the uh, little boy, and then it shows you him at the desk and the guy saying. And him saying to the guy, I can't be the Guardian. Yeah. It shows you that. That's what it shows you. So I thought, oh, that is a... Because what we're saying here is Casey Affleck, brother dies. Brother has a son. Brother's decided that yeah. Casey Affleck's character is going to be the Guardian of his son. Unbeknown to him, he's never had the conversation with him. So, And, he's and then not... you find out why. I mean, right. the thing that in his life, you, it explains why the brother didn't want to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, he probably did it then. Right. It's it's hard for us to talk about, and you're probably like, oh, just say it. But you'll, you just got to watch it. But I mean, the, you should have um, watched it already and then come here, which I'm not going to tell you. But now that you've watched it, you know what we're saying. Yeah, there's only, it doesn't, there's a lot to talk about in this film aside from the one big thing that happens that we're not saying. Because I think that is best left untold. But the, um, then Casey Affleck, who is not very together, he's not the greatest person. I don't think you would prob most people wouldn't say, Oh, here's my child. Can you just have my child? Like, because he can barely look after himself, to be honest. So, um, he then he's stuck with this teenage boy who I really liked because the teenage boy is way more grown up than he yeah. possibly he's really than most good. teenage boys. And he's at that age where he's trying to get with girls and he's kind of very independent. Kind of reminded me of our nephew because where you think he's kind of a quiet, reserved guy, then all these girls and all the other kids are just like, yeah. love it, when, but separate from you. Like, he doesn't show that side of himself to his uncle yeah, or and, to his dad. And being the uncle of him, he even said, like, somebody phoned to ask how he was and uh, Lee Chandler, Casey Affleck's character, said, you know how kids are. You, they don't. They, he doesn't open up to me, which is how it is with kids, isn't Absolutely. it? They don't, they don't open. They open up to their own friends, the family. Uh, they, while they love the family and everything, kids in general, even me when I was that age, you see them as kind of. I don't want to go to them. Boring. Or, or just. I don't think they understand me. Like I, they don't get me. I'd rather speak to my friend or my girlfriend. Right? It's. That's how kids kind of see it. So he's, he's with this teenage boy. And that's where the comedy comes in, even though this is a really heavy, um, really downer kind of lot to it. But there's humor that comes with a teenager who the first thing he does when he meets him is like says, we got to go. We, we, we can go now and see your dad dead, basically, on the do you want me to take you there or not? And he's like, well, yeah, and they go. And and the situation of all that, like, that's heavy to start with. Very heavy. And the way the kid deals with it is well, very... one of the funny things where he says, well, what's he look like? And he goes, well, it looks like he's dead. He's... But not gross. But not gross. <laughs> <laughs> like, he doesn't look asleep, but he's not gross. Because, um, and the Casey Affleck character is the uncle, I think. He's very... 
realistic. Like he's he tells him everything as it is. Like he There's doesn't a lot lie of to honesty him. in this movie. Yeah. Which I really like. The dialogue is very honest. It's not unrealistically honest because it depends on the kind of relationships you have with different people. A lot of people are a lot more uptight and so they don't know what it's like to be in a relationship or in a friendship or, you know, just like an example, my mother was talking the other day and I said, no, that's a terrible idea. And she's like, oh, what? I said, that is a terrible idea. Well, I said, what do you want me to do? Tell you it's a good idea? I'm not going to tell you it's a good idea. It's a crappy idea. I'm not going to do it. Mm. Well, why is it a bad idea? So there's an openness in some relationships and they really reflect that here on some different levels. Where he's just, he doesn't know how to, I think, hide anything. Except his, that deep, horrible thing that he's got buried inside of him. But all the other stuff is like, it's right out there. Because he just, like when he says, can't you just make small talk? No. Can't you just talk like every other growing up? No. Yeah, because he's because not he doesn't like, have, exactly. No, he's not, I love he's not that. the same, is he? And when the kid went to his mother's and was trying, and they were trying to do that, I think he understood in that moment, like, this is the small talk thing. Like, are you okay? Is everything yeah, okay? Yeah, the, the, there's a part where he's sat on the drive, he's took the nephew to his girlfriend's, and he's sat on the driveway waiting in the car for him. Like, like he's literally going to sit there for hours, isn't he, and wait <laughs> yeah. for him? Because he doesn't really want to, you know, and the mother comes out and says, oh, I, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, because she's heard about it, it's a small town type of place. And then she says, do you want to come in for something to eat? And he can see, and his face is like, I don't want to. Because I can't. I don't want yeah. to make small talk and eat thing and have to sit there and, you know, put a, pretend, right? So he decide, he says, no, I'll come back at nine o'clock and pick him up or whatever. And then another time he goes and he, ha- he kind of, the nephew talks him into going in to talk to the mother for a bit. And... He never changes who he is. He just sits there and barely answers the questions, right? Because he doesn't want to chit-chat. He just sits there. And she can't really take that. Cause, mm. It's like in life, you think um, something bad is happening to you. Or it could be a perceived bad thing. Some people have, think everything's bad. But I mean, an actual, like, <gasps> terrible thing or sad thing or illness in your, your, in your body or in your family or your friends or something. It's like a you're in a vortex and all of a sudden the whole world doesn't matter and everyone trying to talk to you about other shit like getting a car license or what the weather or about the latest band or did you see that thing on the news you just look at them like how can that possibly be important to you right now the, um, and that's his mind is filled with that even all these years after this terrible thing has happened i think that's just he's blank now like, yeah because they're in the car driving and the, the nephew says uh, put some music on and he says, do you like this band? And he just looks at him and says, it all sounds the same. It all, like, yeah. It's like his life. It, all Everything is just... Yeah. I mean, it's all it's really beautifully written. And I don't... But I'm not noticing it as I'm watching it. It's more like I later, after we got done, they were sitting, I was thinking, like, it's just... That's really real. Yeah. What it's if, not like pretending to be a person in angst. It was like the real person. Why I think it is well written, too, and filmed, is... Every scene means something to it. There's no superfluous scenes that are just, here we have a funny scene, here we have a weird scene. It's all meaningful and part of the whole thing. There's a a scene which is really fun. It's fun, even though this movie's not really a fun (laughs) movie. But there's a scene where they go to the, the young boys, the teenage boys, real mother, 
because she's left and she's got a new husband, boyfriend. Who happens to be Ferris Bueller. Who happens to be Ferris Bueller, but there's an awkward... She, he goes to see her after a few years. Is it a few years? Or it's been ten years. Yeah. And he's not seen her, and she's kind of turned Christian, which is the opposite to what she used to be. I don't know if she has. I think that's I don't sort know of she a trapping She's that just she's, stuck in some... She's trying to hang on for dear life, and she found this dude who's Ferris Bueller who happens and to be awkward, super Christian And it's awkward, this dinner, and it's funny, but it's like you want to watch it through your fingers almost. It's so weird, <laughs> yeah. like... <laughs> so yeah there are scenes like that where you think oh is that just for comic value that scene but it's not because there's all these things surrounding this kid um, so moving on to the uh, yeah I, I love this film I think out of the three three movies I've seen so far and I love Hello High Water this is actually my favourite one so far out of the three best pictures so yes I love it um, these drama movies they kind of made for me I don't know I really like watching actors really deliver, like, emotional performances. And they really do. Everybody in this, I think, does. Oh, it's all amazing. Everybody. There's, so, not, a, there's not a weak spot to me. So moving on to the uh, people who make this good. Casey Affleck plays Lee Chandler. Um, I'm a fan, really big fan of Casey Affleck. He, he, does, he does play moody characters, but he does them really well. I mean, Gone Baby Gone. He plays a moody character. Uh, what was the one we watched recently with him in? Not recently, but last year, with the, where there were the heist and there was the red smoke coming out of the vans because it blew up in the bags. Oh, I forget the name. He's of a it. moody character in yeah. that, and he plays that well. But this is different to those. This is that was the that was his brother's movie, wasn't it? No, that one wasn't. That what was, was that? Triple Seven or so. It was we had a number. Thirteen, nine. It was a number. <laughs> But it was the one about a heist and yes. Chiwetel Ejiofor and it was a bunch of nice. bunch of people. Yeah, it's actually right. Um, but Casey Affleck, he delivers in this movie, like, big time. I mean, I don't even think of Casey Affleck when I'm watching it. It's like this broken, moody man. He just, he can flip like he, you know, he gets into some violence in this movie, like, because he's so strung up inside, he can't, he has to release it at some points and... The way he releases it is in bars. He has fights in bars, just random fights. Just he's looking for those fights. that's the thing. You know, you only have, um, I guess, I'm pretty, I mean, I hide the deepest, darkest things, but they don't come out in me violently. They all just stay down. Like, in a, if you're 49 years old, you got some stuff that you don't always expose. But everything else on a daily basis, if something irritates me, you know it. If it makes me laugh, you know what. If I think it's sad, I'll cry. It all comes out. I don't hold any of it in. If I'm confused about your stupid beliefs, <laughs> I'll say it. Maybe they're not stupid, but I'm not. I don't sit there and brood and brood and brood. And I think there's personalities of that type. I think you're one of them, but you don't even know it. That it's all stuffed down in there. And then the weirdest things trigger this, like, flip, like, emotional turn off and that's what he does he's turned off most of the time and all of a sudden he le- he undoes that little steam valve and just he punches blows. at least four dudes yeah. and he punches a window yes. so yeah he really well, I knew that window had had it and I was just like yep so yeah he does that's his emotional outlet and if he didn't have that he might kill himself I you know so which yeah yeah <laughs> so um yeah I think he played it fantastically he deservedly should be up for best actor. It is pretty amazing, I think, to watch. Did you feel the same? Absolutely. I felt like it was a really 
Um, now, I wasn't totally unaware that it was Casey Affleck, only because he is usually broody. And there were moments when it was him being this guy and, like, digging deep to be the guy. And I could kind of see that and feel it, but it didn't bother me. It wasn't overriding. My favorite interaction Because I thought, there are real people like this. This is a character who's not a fictional character, as in, this is an exploration of something that maybe we don't do. It's exactly the way some people are. And so I thought, sympathy-wise or empathy-wise, he really made me help understand. You never do know what's behind the anger most of the time. You don't know what's behind that, like... Because people in the small town... I'm also from a small town. And... The people, when his name gets mentioned and he's not there, like, that's Lee. Yeah. Lee's come back. They talk about So him. then you know. No, that's all they say. No, I'm saying they've been talking yeah, about Yeah, but him. I'm saying that's yeah. all you hear, and I know what that means. And when that woman comes out and goes, I don't want to see him in here again, then you know he has left a trail of bad behind him. I mean, without ever knowing anything else other than the few little bits that we see. And I think I feel that from him. This thing of being forced to come back here and, like confront it all I think he's really good um, Kyle Chandler plays Joe Chandler <laughs> um, you you know who he is he plays his brother you've seen him in other things yeah can't, it's hard to pinpoint what he's been anonymous in anonymous famous but he uh, he's good too because he has to you know the way it's played you know his brother's got his brother dies at the beginning so most of his scenes are flashback scenes but it's flashbacks through different periods of his life when he's in the hospital bed sick, when he's going through some shit with his wife, <laughs> there's not it's not particularly fun in his household. But then you see a different sides of him, like you see the side of him when he's on his boat, just being being himself with his brother. So and another one like the wife, you you don't he doesn't get a lot of chance to say much, but you no. understand who he is come deeply. And very full roundedly, like we've said, when they're if you walk into that room, once we've met these people, you feel like they're a whole person. I, not just a cardboard cutout. I really like that deleted scene with him and Casey Affleck and the son sitting on the couch when the mother phones. Yeah, yeah, it was really There's a deleted good. scene that's worth watching because I thought it was a really interesting it's what once the mother's left because the, we don't really see the kid in between the no. young kid and then the teenage kid, and that one was plucked in there. But then the way. kids like kind of speak to my mum. She's on the phone, and he's and he obviously listens to the mother and can tell that she's drunk or whatever. And he says, "No, she can't really speak right now," you know, because he doesn't want to like <laughs> make his kid think like my mother, my mum's a loser. But um, yeah, he's great in it. Also, Lucas Hedges, who plays Patrick. He's the uh, child, uh, teenager. Really good. Um, oh my yeah. goodness. And he's the one who isn't up for anything, but he holds the movie. T- like, he's a core of the movie, you know. The relationship between him and Casey Affleck, because it's such a... Casey Affleck's not ready for this, looking after a boy. Like, he can't... It's hard for him to do it. He's trying to do it. And, and I think once you learn about his other... The big dark thing... Yeah. He, he wouldn't... He wants to do it. No, he doesn't... I mean, he has he, he shouldn't. He thinks he shouldn't be allowed. Right, yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, wh- who would put me in charge yeah. of anything? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this kid is awesome. He's, it's not a kid. He's a teenager. But um, from the very be- the very first moment we see him when he's playing ice hockey 
and he's got he got a little bit of anger in him himself before anything happens to how he, he kind of goes on this journey throughout, doesn't he? He's changed by the end of it. Yeah, and I think what you find about this kid, quote unquote, we now we, at the end we find out he's eighteen or seventeen, so he's you know he's a grown man almost. Um, is that he he at one moment near nearish the end. He has just a quiet moment of his own. He goes into the bedroom, sees a thing, and then it dawns, because up until then, it's all about him, and he gets annoyed with his uncle, and he's kind of using, not using his uncle in a bad way, but like, can I have money for ice cream? Can I have money for this? Can you take me to my girlfriend's? Can you hang out with my girlfriend's mother so we can Come a girlfriend, come over. Yeah, exactly. On the night of his dad's death. And then all of a sudden. Come a girlfriend over. He goes in this room and looks around and sees something that reminds him that what he's going through not to compare, but it's almost like he had this revelation of like, he, oh yeah, he's still, he's never dealt with that. No. And all of a sudden he's more the grown up even more. And now he's like more on board with whatever we have to do to help you and me. Literally Without even saying any of that. It's That's what's beautiful, I think, about this movie and the way they tell it is so much is unsaid, but it's... Yeah, it that moment of it. a revelation, the next scene is him, this kid has always had this... The only thing that's really, um, like, constant about him is he keeps saying, my dad's boat, I want to get the motor yeah. fixed. Yeah, yeah. And I'd have to have enough money to do it, but I really want to get it fixed. I don't want to sell my dad's boat. I want I want to fix Casey it. Casey Affleck wants reminds... to sell it because he wants to give right. you everything. But then he realizes, well, he should have that. He's got... There's yeah. nothing for him. Like, he's got nothing. He's lost his family. And then there's that moment where they're on the boat and they're both happy. For for a little while, you know, yeah, exactly. But, but he starts trying all of a sudden, doesn't he? To, you know, this kid needs somebody, so I'll I'll deal with it. And he needs a specific thing too. Casey Affleck makes a decision towards the end that is, you know, beneficial for both. He doesn't want to trap him in something, so you know he really sees the light kind of thing. Um, Gretchen Moll plays Elise Chandler. She's the mother of. Kyle, the um, kind of a bit of a crazy mother, who um, I like her really a lot. That scene where she's with Matthew Broderick, yeah. it's really good. It and really and good. also when she's in the hospital and her husband's in the bed being diagnosed with like death, heart, he has congestive heart failure, and uh, and she's just like fuck it, I'm going home. And you're like, she's Whoa. a wreck because she's all Cause, about herself. Yeah, she's a drinker and she's a well, she's a drug addict. I yeah, think. Drugs. And, and drinking, but I think. That little bit, and then the little bit at the dinner shows you a very real type of personality. Like, a, she couldn't cope with these things that these two dudes are dealing with. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're this teenage boy and this dude who's dealing with some really terrible shit. She couldn't cope with any of that. She's so fragile. And yeah. you get that just from the tiny little bits. I think that's what makes this cast. And whoever directed them, the guy who directed them, which we'll talk about, he really did get the best out of people. When we say some movies are like cookie cutter, now this movie doesn't have a very distinct visual style, even though it is, it's got its, beautiful, it's got a look, like it. it's beautiful. It's not like last week's dull. Um, it's a little bit muted, but it's not dull. It's That's like the you're difference. there. It's like a real. You're really there. It's got great lighting, but not overlit and not underlit. It's all this stuff, but nice as a director, the the... plus he wrote it. Yeah. That tells you that those comment that he had conversations with the people. I'm sure that he they said he wants you to stick to the script, so he's probably a little bit of a 
you know, control freak. But he got the best out of everybody, which I think is... And Matthew Broderick um, also, he plays the husband, boyfriend, whatever he is. Um, it's very short, the scene with Matthew Broderick. But uh, he is good. I mean, because it's weird. <laughs> yeah, but the, all you're thinking about is his Ferris Bueller. No, Come on. all I was thinking about was how weird the questions he keeps asking him are just weird. Like, <laughs> and it's awkward. He just keeps looking at him and there's nothing being said. Kind of like... Are you okay? Are you okay? Do you yeah, need some of this? Do you need some of that? Yeah. Um, and then uh, finally, and Michelle Williams plays Randy Chandler. And she is fantastic. I mean, like I said to you, she's probably in five scenes in the entire movie. But the scenes she is in, they're the most powerful scenes, I think. My favourite scene, and it's not actually the scene that that might make made you cry. It's the scene where she's she's got a cold, she's sick in bed. Yes, so And he comes good. home, and he's the kids are around, and he's loving on the kids. You can see what kind of a guy he was before something happened and he's a completely different guy he's like this home i love my family happy just love you know now we get the hint that he probably has a drinking problem yeah but he's still she quizzes him about how much he's been drinking all day on the boat but she's lovey with him and they're funny and the house is kind of messy and yeah yeah and it's a different it's this family and that scene i really liked but the scenes that she's in are the most emotionally charged scenes of the whole thing so she's also up for Best actress. Again, deserved. Absolutely. Because the the power of what she did in the... Particularly that one scene. That and the other one. Just... It it tells you the whole story. You could have seen a short with just that one scene. You know, the one I'm talking about. um, And you would have got it all. I mean, it was amazing. This is directed by Kenneth Lonergan. He's actually a writer, not a director. He wrote Gangs of New York for Martin Scorsese. And he wrote, uh, analyze that and analyze this. So he's a writer and he's a good writer at that. Gangs of New York's fantastic movie, I think. Um, but he also directs well. It's cl- quite clear. I don't, I know he's working with some of the best actors here you can possibly put on your screen, which is a, you know, a boost, but. Or does he bring out the best? Yeah, I, I think he does because the way they were talking about him and the way when you saw some of the clips in the extras. He lets them, He's like he said, I let them, you know, practice it, practice it, and then we just go for it. Like, But I make sure that they put themselves, they have to put the whole selves into it. So I really liked him. I would like to see him do more drama stuff like this, because I do like this kind of stuff. And uh, he is a good writer, because this clearly is a good script. Even if you didn't see this visually, just read this, I think it would emotionally oh, uh, connect with you. Because it is very, it's not heavy-handed emotionally. Except for the music, as you said. Yeah, that was my only one thing that I um, dislike about this movie. And if I was making this movie, and it's not up to me, but <laughs> there is some choir music. Well, it's always choir music in this movie. That kind of it brings you that Catholic kind of feel, you know? like, um, And it, it wells up at the emotionally correct moments of the movie, which would be a funeral... Or during a heavy scene of a wife talking to a husband that's actually going to really bust your heart, you know. And the, this emotional organ music gets louder and louder and it's just very there and noticeable. 
And I said to you, if you remove that music, you just cut this film and just remove that music, those scenes are emotional enough to not have to have like a guide. I, I call it like a, a, it's like a marker. It's like, hey, everybody, this is emotional. Can you hear this music? Dun, 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 Pay attention dun. to it more now because this music is cueing you into that. And that happens all the way through the film. Um, yeah, but you don't like laugh tracks either, so you're kind of I don't, a weirdo. I don't like being a bit uh, And you don't need to be in this movie. This movie, the actual actors are enough. I, I, don't, I like music in movies, but this music seemed... It was telling you how to feel at a certain point. And I, I can always... I can see what they, were try, what they were going for, and they obviously think that is the way to go. But if you cut this movie without that music at all, it would be more stark... And more real feeling, I think. Because when we're having emotional moments in real life, orchestras and choirs do not occur in the background. <laughs> you know? Um, so that would be my only fault for this movie. Because the rest of it was perfect. Extras on the Blu-ray. There's the making of, which is quite good. It's not all it could have been, but it's okay. It's a bit promotional. There's an actual um, commentary with the director throughout the film which I'm definitely going to listen to that. It's very interesting. And there are some deleted scenes, three deleted scenes, uh, and one of them is totally worth a watch, the one where they sat on the couch. It's like a really good dramatic scene that would have worked in the movie. Yeah, very good. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the extras. So, in conclusion, Manchester by the Sea. Excellent. I'm giving it one of my highest scores so far this year. I think it will... Overall, I know there's a bunch of movies in the Oscars, but if this doesn't win something because of its quality, <laughs> I, uh, it's been robbed. Because it is, some people call these movies Oscar bait or whatever. I never agree with that. You know, movies come out at a particular time of year. They're very emotionally charged. It's quite clear they're going for the award season. I don't agree with that. It's just a good movie in general, you know. If it came out any time of year, it would be a good movie. So thanks to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray, Manchester by the Sea. You can get this on Tuesday, pick it up then. If you want to enter a contest to win Dust Till Dawn Season 3 from El Rey, you can go to aschoolie.com and you can win it. Just click on the word contest and enter the contest. Next week was next week is Oscar weekend, so we're actually going with another Oscar nominated for Best Picture, and it is Moonlight. We'll be watching that next weekend. So you uh, won't know about um, any of that until the next week? Any what we think or what happened from us. No, but we will watch uh, Moonlight and then we will watch the Oscars the day after. So, movie recommendations. I'm going with the two leading people in this movie, Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams. And if I was to recommend a Casey Affleck movie to you, it would be The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. He plays Robert Ford. He is fantastic. That movie is fantastic, to be honest. It's really good. It was best up for Best Picture of that year. Um... He's intense, but it's a different role because it's obviously a, he's a, it's an old, it's not this, it's a historical thing. And my other one, Michelle Williams, the station agent, she was fantastic in it. She played the love interest of... Station agent was good. Yeah, she played the uh, love interest of Peter Dinklage. And it's a really nice movie that, it's like a, it's a Miramax movie. It's a very small budget, but it's got a really lovely kind of message and heart to it. Uh, it's from a while ago, but uh, yeah, that was the first time I actually saw Michelle Williams, and she's fantastic in it. So your recommendations are? 
My recommendations are going with this thing where I'm taking movies from 1987 that I have seen on my scene list. Have seen list. Good or bad, doesn't matter. I'm just recommending all the movies that I have on my list from 1987 that I've been able to remember that I watched. And I actually liked both of these movies at the time. I'm not going to say I would like them now. But one of them is Secret of My Success, which is, of course, Michael J. Fox. Goes to the big city to work with an uncle... Falls in love with, spoiler alert, um, Supergirl's adopted mother. Helen Woods. Cur- no, Helen. Helen Slater. Helen Christian Slater. Slater's sister. She is the love interest in right. that one. Well, she was Supergirl originally. Slater's sister? No. In my mind, she's Christian Slater's so. <laughs> sister. Because she's in that movie with him, the, um, the one that I love, Legend of Billie Jean. Like, Christian Slater's a little kid, and she's in it as the We well, have all the internet. I I'm saying she is. So, yeah. Helen Slater. And my other one is Dirty Dancing. It's a classic. You can't deny it. I don't think I'd like it now, and it's kind of up its own ass. But at the time, I mean, seriously, we went to see it probably three times. I never times. liked it. But there of course again, you didn't. You have no heart. I didn't like it. I didn't <laughs> like Flashdance. I didn't like... I did watch them, but I never. they never did anything for What's me. wrong with you? I don't know. I am anti-dance <laughs> movie. <laughs> I didn't watch Step Up. They're nothing like Step Up. <laughs> they probably oh my are. God. Step Up's probably they are this not. generation's version of them. It's just some dumb... This generation or last generation? Love dance movie. How old is Step Up? 20 years. 2000. <laughs> That's 17 I think there was five of them. That was 17 years ago. Yeah. So what's that now? La La Land. <laughs> no, that's just a straight up musical. That's different. Um, that's not somebody learning to dance. My The movie that I like, if a, a dance movie I liked in the 80s, and it was uh, Breakdance the movie. I love yeah, that I movie. Yeah, I can see how that's so much better than break than Turbo. Dirty Dancing. Remember him, Turbo, when he did his locking. I and didn't his watch it because it looked stupid. It wasn't stupid. It was awesome. It looked stupid. It was like compared to Dirty Dancing, it looked pretty stupid. No, that was my thing. <laughs> BMX Bandits and Breakdance the movie. That's what I was into. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those are our recommendations. Uh, games and a Scully stuff. I've been playing one game this week. It's Ubisoft's new game called For Honor, and uh, I highly recommend this game. It is very, very different. Breath of Fresh Air, amongst all the first-person shooters and stuff that we've been having recently. This this game is medieval melee combat. Nobody's got a gun, because knights, shoguns, and vikings all fighting together. There's a story. I'm playing the knight story at the moment. The story's the story split into three sections. The knights, the shoguns, and the vikings. And I'm just playing through the knights story, and it's literally knights holding that, you know, trying to stop people raiding the castle with the battering rams and stuff. And you're an individual knight, and you've got all the melee moves. You know, you can swing with a sword, you can block. It's got this really cool, like, way of playing. There's an indicator in the middle of the screen... And you can move it to the left, to the right, or up with your uh, analog stick. And there's an indicator on the person that you're fighting that is exactly the same. When they're about to strike you, so if they try to hit you to the left, that indicator goes red on the left, and that means you have to push your stick to the left to block. So it's like a fighting game, like Street Fighter or something like that. You're a... anticipating what your opponent's going to do and you're trying to block them and then when it looks like there's an opening you're going in with your sword and taking them down um it makes it really tense there's like a one-on-one gameplay that's online 
and it puts you against a random opponent. And it's like playing chess because you've got to outsmart the person. You've got to be like, okay, I'm blocking, I'm blocking my right. Oh, look, he's about to swipe to the right and then switch your block to the left and swipe them. You know, it's like a cat and mouse. You're like looking at what they're going to do and what you're going to do. Um, it's very different to any other game. It's like a fighting game, but it's also like an Assassin's Creed game a little bit. The graphics are really, you saw the graphics, you said, oh, that looks really real. Uh, if it, if you say it looks really real, it's usually got good graphics. Yes, definitely. Um, and it's, it's not cartoon style, it's like realistic style. There's a load of blood, there's like, some of the battles that you do, there's at least a hundred people on the screen at once, all fighting each other. Which is crazy, like it's, you're almost like, how do they do that? How do they get all those people fighting at once? But it's called For Honor, it's by Ubisoft. It's out now on the PC. I've been playing it on the PC. It's also on the Xbox and the PlayStation 4. Um, very different and I'd, worth a look if you um, get the chance. This tonight, what is Sven Gulli? Tonight, Sven Gulli is always the same. Sven Gulli is always the same. He's always a horror host who dresses in funny makeup and a funny outfit, tells baddish jokes, and presents a movie. Where can we see this? Me TV. If you have me TV, we don't have cable, so we watch it on the HD antenna. Yep. Just comes in through the air. Tonight is this is a four week run of Godzilla movies. Now we started with the very first Godzilla movie, Godzilla, and uh, now we're on number three. And we saw the second one last week. Yeah, they were showing them in order. This is the third one. Last week was Godzilla raids again, mm-hmm. and this one is Godzilla versus Mothra. I guess one of the big classics. Yeah, Mothra is really cool. It's a giant moth. He he shows a movie, he tells funny jokes, crams it into a two-hour period, and tells us all about the movie and the history of the people. You'll roll your eyes a lot. Yeah, sure. humor is crap. Sure, sure. But it's all part of it. Uh, What's for dinner? Tonight we're going to have... We discovered a new place because it's new in town. We did. It's really good. It's called Pita Pit. Pita Pit. <laughs> it's a bit of a drive compared to our normal Jimmy John's or Subway, but Pita Pit is, they use a uh, pita... Pizza bread. They do whatever your fillings that you want, and they happen to have a big vegetarian sock little options, which means they have falafel, and that's just chickpea with spices that are all chopped up. It's really good. Put on the grill, or you can get a black bean burger chopped up. I had that. It's really good. You can just do veggie if you want, and they are really delicious. What's the one I have? It's falafel yeah. and that's it. hummus. Yeah. And vegetables. Well, hummus is one of the toppings. And it's really good. Yeah, yeah, they have really good hummus. They have good... They have loads of toppings. And so, um, and then, and they're really friendly. They're the kind, they're like, hey, how's it going? Now, I don't know if that's good or bad for some people, but it's kind of fun when you go in there. And, um, so that's what we'll probably have on Saturday. It's a little pricey. You get a big, I mean. How much is a uh, one? You don't like a lot of toppings, so I don't get my money's worth on yours, which always pisses me off. Because you're like, "Eh, I don't like hot stuff. I don't like, "Eh, I don't don't know. know. Why have stuff I don't like? But you might like some corn. Yeah. They have black beans. Yeah. Um, I like. Other... Why don't you put those in? I like those. Well, I don't know because yeah, it's like complaining in. about how boring yours is. <laughs> yeah. Because normally yours is lettuce, tomato, cucumber, green pepper, which I like. Tzatziki sauce. Tzatziki sauce and the hummus and the falafel and the falafel and tonight I'll get you some corn and black beans. Yeah, it's all yeah. separate. And then they have all kinds of hot peppers and stuff. They have lots of sauces as well. But when I asked about the really hot like. ones, they said they're they're actually pretty hot. Yeah, so I'm I didn't sure. get. And they have ranch. I, I'm not a fan of. So hot if you ever food. want ranch dressing, you but are. I like. Yeah, I love hot stuff, but I like the tzatziki sauce. So, Pita Pit is where we'll be going. 
Have, is it a major chain, that, or is it just some... Must be. It's yeah. in a gas station, which a lot of people go, oh, I don't eat at a yeah, gas station. Yeah, but it's delicious. But... It's not like gas station food. It doesn't matter. Gas station food's fine. No, some of those, like, microwave... Nah, it's fine. No, no. No, no, I like microwave. I like microwave burritos. I've always liked microwave burgers. Don't eat burgers anymore, but you like microwave burgers. I do. Because we have corns yeah. in the fridge, freezer. And my advice, you say, what's my advice? What's your advice before we leave? My advice is this. Do not be... This is, sounds definitively like I'm telling you what to do, but this is more like advice, so don't get all, like, hypered up about it, which could go along with this advice. But don't be pissed off at me. If I say something, it pokes at something in your life, a choice that you've made that you regret or that you're embarrassed about or that you're confused about or that you're already mad about. Like, if I just say something that's contrary to what you believe that then leads you back to memories or leads you back to a choice or whatever you've made in your life that you're not happy with. And by me just sort of waking it up, then you're mad at me. Like, you know, don't kill the messenger kind of a thing. I may not uh, present it very nicely and I might poke with a really sharp stick sometimes. But the thing is, I'm not the one making you mad. Probably you are the one who made you mad. Either you still don't understand like, if I say something about, you know, like a discussion, of course, that I opened up on my Facebook this week, which is, you know, just the way I am, that somebody, of course, got annoyed enough to post a big, long thing. And you could tell that this person is irritated by other things, not by me, but by me bringing up beliefs and how that I was saying, you cannot tell your children now that they can't behave selfishly and hatefully and blame everybody for their problems if you're going to use your president that you voted for as a, as a role model. Because that's the role model you picked. So now if your children, if you say if your children lose a baseball game and everything was perfectly fine, they just sucked, but they want to blame the other team, they want to blame the other coach, they want to blame the park, they want to blame the crowd, and you have to say, oh, you're right. It was unfair. You were robbed. It was rigged. Because your president acts like an asshole. Period. And this is a person discussing with me, and I know this person does have a lot of, like, you know, pent-up frustration about other things. But by me sort of saying that, don't tell your children now that they have to behave a certain way, because here you go. Here's your president, everybody. Here's how he acts. Like an ass. But kids, no, no, no. He's the highest held office in our land, the president of our nation. Now, if it's a football player who went awry and acts like a dickhead, well, if he was your role model, that's your fault. That's your own problem. If it's an actor or an actress, even on some level, a scientist or a doctor, while their, their, their education gives me more reason to hold them in a high esteem or their work ethic, the person who holds the highest office in our land, if that person doesn't act like dignified, with integrity, with some semblance of self-respect and respect for others, then you cannot teach your children anything else. You have to say, well, that's how the president acts and I guess seems to be working for him. So if you want to throw a fit and throw yourself on the floor and act like a little shithead to get your way and then insult everybody around you, well, that's perfectly fine, right? That's kind of was the vibe of the conversation. But this dude wasn't just mad at me, because I'm just saying it. I'm not pointing it at him, right? It's Facebook. You're not talking to anybody specifically, or at least I never am. But something in him woke up because of that, right? So I just think, remember, if somebody's bringing up a subject that you don't like, you know, it could be anything. It could be politics, religion, abortion, 
money, sex, marriage, uh, raising stepchildren, having foster children, giving up your children to a step to another parent, not paying your child support, whatever it is that has led you to a moment in time when you're confronted with maybe a bad decision you've made or maybe some confusion you have about why you have made choices in your life. That's the problem, not the person bringing it up. Unless the person bringing it up is directly involved, but I mean, most of the time it's not going to be. So don't get mad at me and me in quotation marks as in anybody who brings up a subject that you just don't like because of something lacking in yourself or something that you haven't confronted in your own self. Because they're just bringing it up. Good. Maybe it's a good opportunity to have a good discussion. Let them, like, unburden yourself a bit, maybe. Maybe that person's the right one to talk to because they're looking at it from a whole different point of view that you never even thought of. You're just too in it. You know, you're you're, hit, you're all wrapped up in it yourself, so... That's my advice. Good advice. What That's do you, what I thought. What do you think of the cover of Manchester by the Sea, uh, the Blu-ray cover? I don't think it tells the right story, but I don't, it also looks like a movie of the week. We're in a very... Yeah, theme. I don't really know what it is. Yeah, the theme that. lately has been the most generic, um, low common denominator of every cover. There's nothing dynamic. There's a lot there's of nothing, text. A lot. But... Even if just that was the image, it doesn't tell the story. It looks like a love story to me. That, yeah, or like a broken a, love because his head's or an down. actual love story, like a, you know Howard's End or something like. That. And there's a lot of other imagery you could use that's interesting and can be intriguing to get. Whoever's in charge of movie posters, <laughs> all and, movie posters and uh, Blu-ray covers, they need to think about it a little bit more than photoshopping a couple of characters on and doing a quote from some movie site because it really sucks. So, um, yeah, don't look at, don't judge this movie by the cover. That is my uh, tip. So I want to remind you about our website, ascoli.com, sidtor.com. Ascoli.com's had a huge redesign. You can go and have a look at that. It's very nice. And uh, you can listen to the podcast there. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. The podcast is available on iTunes. iTunes. It's also available on the Google Play Music Store. Where else is it available? RSS feed, com slash podcast. Just listen to it on the page or subscribe. Or if you find it anywhere else, please tell me because it's not supposed to be anywhere else. And uh, you can email feedback to me at aschoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacoolyacool